Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chad White, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm a member here at Restoration, and I have the privilege this morning of speaking to you about good deeds. Um, I apologize, I'm not as animated as Rob is, so I'm not going to be up here, but, you know, so um, I'll try and keep it interesting, so hang in there with me. Um, Would you please pray with me? Father God, thank you for the opportunity to worship you together this morning. Let me step out of the way. I ask that your spirit would speak clearly to each person here this morning. Amen. First and foremost, I want to start this off. I'm speaking about good deeds. I want to let you know you can do nothing, you can say nothing, absolutely nothing, to earn your salvation. That's a free gift from God. Excuse me, I'm a little nervous, so uh, you're going to have to work with me here for a moment. Your salvation is a free gift from God. It can't be earned or influenced by anything you say or do. This is an important thing to remember as we are talking about good deeds. Again, your salvation is a free gift. If you'd like to open your Bibles, we've been working from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and specifically going off verses 17 and 18, which read as follows. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I have a friend, Dixie, who summed up these verses for me in one of her sayings. Everyone brings something to the table. Think about that for a moment. No matter what your economic, educational, or social status, no matter how old you are or where you come from, you bring something to the table. What Dixie's saying here is saying here is that we're rich and we need to be extravagantly generous with the things that God has blessed us with. Right now you may be saying, I have nothing to bring to God's table. I would like to say that that's the world talking. And personally, my opinion, it's a big fat lie. If we start looking at God's economy instead of what the world sees, we might start to see things a little differently. Those of you who don't know, I'm part of a men's group that meets on Saturday mornings. And surprisingly, we just finished 1 Timothy. So what I'd like to do is bring a little more of Paul's letter into the message this morning. If we look back just a few verses, we get a glimpse of God's economy. Looking at 1 Timothy 6.11, God wants us to pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are the blessings that God pours out on us. And these are the very same blessings that we are to hold with open hands and share with others. Righteousness is that gift from God that we can't earn. But it should propel us to want to do more for God. Godliness is the pursuit of God. I believe that deep down, each one of us wants to have a relationship with God. Faithfulness allows us to follow even when we don't know when we're, excuse me, even when we don't know where we are going. Love gives us the desire to help others and to build relationships with them. Endurance, good word, gives us the ability to keep going even when things don't go our way. And gentleness is how we are to pursue others. So now that we know that we're rich, 
or at a minimum can bring something to God's table. What do we do with it? We get to share. Another good, great word, share. Kind of makes you think of your toddler days when that was the biggest lesson you had to learn. Guess what? You get to learn it again. God gives to us so that we can give to others. Rob talked about how we need to pry open our tight clenched fists and hold our blessings with open hands. Again, I can hear those voices welling up. I, I hear them too. I have nothing to give. And again, I beg to differ. You remember the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you? This is where it all starts. How would you like to be treated? At church? At work or school? Uh, driving? The grocery store? Church? I mean, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And even at home. Then turn this around. How are you treating people? At church? At work or school? Driving? I know I'm bad at that one. At the grocery store? And yes, even at home. These good deeds are not always a huge process that we're talking about. They're not always those big, gee, look what I did. Sometimes it's as easy as a smile or a kind word. Sometimes the deeds that God, excuse me, sometimes good deeds will stretch the very core of who you are, and you're going to need to rely on God like you've never relied on him before. Sometimes that smile and kind word that I was talking about is what stretches you because of who God is asking you to do it to. But each of these deeds is just as important as the other. They all matter. Remember, everyone brings something to the table. And it's going to be a very boring meal if everybody brings chips and salsa. Your gifts and talents are different than mine. God has asked me to do many things through the years. And what he asks you to do is going to look a lot different than what he asked me to do. Giving is a choice. We get to choose how we are going to treat others. If you doubt me on this one, I'd like to give you a little example. Let's pretend you're having a rather loud and lengthy discussion with a member of your family, commonly called arguments. Um, tempers are riled. Gloves are off, it's a knockdown drag out, going at it pretty hot and heavy. And in the middle of this discussion, the phone rings. When you pick up the phone, is the person on the other end of the line part of your argument? My guess is probably not. You pick up the phone with a polite, hello, your whole countenance changes as soon as you touch the phone. Another example I just read was of a husband that showed great love and faithfulness to his wife. Instead of being negative and expecting or demanding the things that she did, the laundry, meals, and general house care, he chose to offer praise and thanksgiving regardless of what he got in return. Important point. He thanked her for the magic drawer of socks that never ran dry because of the laundry she did. And she wondered what he wanted. He thanked her for the meals that she had tires, tirelessly fed him over the years. And she pondered, uh, what's he going to do? What's he doing with this? What's he want? Where is, where's he going? When's this bomb going to drop? <laughs> he stopped one night and did the dishes. And all she could do was say thank you. 
As this gentleman served and lifted up his wife, she began to feel valued, loved, and respected. Eventually, over time, she began to reciprocate, and both of their lives became much better. The choices that you make may or may not change that other person. Often, others won't reciprocate in the way that you are asking or wanting or desiring. But you need to do the things that God wants you to do and do what God has called you to do, even when they don't reciprocate. When you do this, you'll be more content in your relationship with God than the response of others. This is where Rob wants me to list off all those wonderful opportunities to volunteer at Restoration. But I want you to step back. I want you to listen to that still, small voice that's, that's speaking to you right now. What is God asking you to do? It might be a small task. Perhaps it's a bigger one. This is between you and God. What's he asking you to do? The one thing that I can say is this good deed will glorify God and not you. The question arises, how do I know if I'm doing what God wants me to do? What if I do something wrong or mess something up more than it already is? Been there, done that. Um, If your heart is in the right place, you're not going to fail miserably. If you're seeking after what God wants in your life, he's going to bless it. You're not looking to please others. You're not looking for self-gain. He's going to be happy. He's going to smile. The litmus test that I've found helpful in this is Philippians 4.8. Is what I'm doing true? Is it right? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent and praiseworthy? If what I'm doing makes it through this list, chances are, even if it's not from God, God's going to be glorified because I'm not doing it for my own benefit. If I have doubts or what I'm planning does not pass through all of these filters, all of these filters, because I can make them sound really good through a couple, but all of the filters, I really need to think about what I'm doing, where I'm going, or what I'm giving. The overall theme in 1 Timothy is that we are to look different than the world around us as a church. The world says we've earned it. We deserve better. Or perhaps even that it is our right to have it. But God wants us to lean on him and be different. It's not an easy path. It's hard, and I don't feel like it are not good excuses. Trust me, I've tried. We all need to push back and remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This may sound cliche and easy. That's just it. We are God's children, and he wants us to succeed. He makes these things accessible for us through him. We need to remember that God is for us. God is good, and God owns it all. We need to trust and hope in him and remember that God has given us everything, everything we need for life and to live for him. God wants us to do good things, and I can give you several examples of this. 
1 Timothy 5.25. Again, going back in Timothy. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce you to David. Excuse me, I've got a cold, so I'm going <laughs> to... The next time that you are tempted to say, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, or I don't feel like it, I want you to think of David. He's a good kid. David used to be our neighbor in our, at our last house, and he has become one of my heroes. And let me explain why. It's not because he's wearing his underwear on the outside. Last fall, David took a hit in football that really rung his bell. This was a good enough hit that he went in for an MRI, where they discovered that... Sorry. David had a tumor growing on his spinal column. And biopsies showed this tumor to be a chordoma, a rare type of cancer. David has undergone uh, surgery to remove this tumor. This was a three-day ordeal where the doctors operated not only from the back of his neck, but from the front of his neck as well. Currently, David's in Boston, where he's receiving particle radiation therapy. This is not only affecting the tumor site, which is on the spinal column, but it's also affecting radiation burns in David's throat. Now, if that's not enough to make you feel as though David should be a hero as he fights all of this well, I'd like to show you the real reason I think David's a hero. This is another picture of David, I believe, two or three days before he received a feeding tube because he could no longer swallow because of the pain in his throat. The kid you see on David's lap is Mac. He's a young child who needed a buddy shall we say, to distract him while the doctors and nurses hooked him up to his treatments. David stepped up and played with Mac, and this is a picture of them before Mac's last treatment. David took a step. He reached out to someone around him. He made a choice, and he made a difference in Mac's life and in Mac's care. I can almost say with certainty David didn't feel like helping. He's in real pain. He's taking morphine. He's got some really heavy drugs to, to control the pain. He's tired. He can't sleep because of it. He's hungry. Like I said, he's got a feeding tube now. And he's scared for his own results. Great excuses. But despite all of this, David took the time and made the choice to make a difference in somebody else's life. Not a big deal. But it is a big deal. No guarantee of return, no promise of wealth, but a choice and a good deed done for somebody else. 
this is why David is one of my heroes. He stepped up and chose to do good despite what was going on around him. So please, please go out and do good deeds. Not for your glory, not to get rich, but to glorify God, our Heavenly Father. Just imagine what it might happen in the South Metro if we make the choice to go out and do a multitude of good deeds to build relationships and simply honor God. I apologize, this is shorter than usual. Leah's giving me faces like you're supposed to go longer. <laughs> um, but I think this is you know, what God has asked me to say. Do it. There is no good reason. There is no good excuse not to do good deeds. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gifts and talents. May we use them to encourage each other and those around us so that you are glorified. Let us not be selfish, but love others unconditionally and give generously. In Jesus' name, amen.